Welcome to a very special Advent series for the Divine Renovation Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Marie. I'm the storyteller at DR. And this Advent series will focus on stories of hope, love, joy, and peace each week leading up to Christmas. So we will be chatting with people from across DR. We're going to hear what God is doing in his church throughout all of our DR regions. We'll also be having guests that are in the trenches with parish renewal come and speak to us. So we're going to listen to priests and parish leaders who will share their own stories of hope, love, joy, and peace. You're not going to want to miss a week, so be sure to subscribe. Okay, so today I am first joined by DR President Dan O'Rourke and Global Regional Guide Paul Lang. Welcome to you both. Hey Jacqueline, great to be here. Yeah, good to be here. So we have a lot to catch listeners up on because it has been almost two years since our last podcast. Dan, do you want to try to summarize (laughs) the last two years in our ministry? You know, it's uh, one of the things we've we've always struggled with, Jacqueline, is, is, you know, I don't know that we tell the story well of what God's doing um, and what we get to bear witness to. uh, Because what we actually are are seeing is unbelievable things happen at a scale that, that... really has been humbling. And so, you know, the great thing is because of the scale that we're seeing, it's like, okay, well, this is clearly of God. So I, I just want to make this real clear. Like, it's not that our team is that awesome. I think our team is awesome. But like the scale of what we've seen happen over the last couple of years, you, you can only you can only praise God for, for what's what's been happening. It's just it's too big for it to be a reflection of the gifts of the people that are assembled. And, and I love the people that work in our ministry and serve in our ministry. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, the glory goes to God on this. And so so as I share some of these things, Let's let's not lose sight of of, of what where the, where the blessings are coming from. Uh, they're not coming from uh, you know me or others in the organization. They're coming from what God has been pouring out into this ministry through the amazing people that are in it, the way that we're cooperating, uh, and not just the people that are in it, but the people who are walking alongside. And this has always been key to who we are as a ministry. Uh, you know, our, our, one of our values is to share our chariot. And so we use that, that terminology because we're trying to raise up others and identify others. Um, those are priests and lay leaders at parishes around the world. And so, you know, when I think of where we are here in, in uh, the year of 2022, um, I can't help but be humbled. Because uh, five years ago, there was three of us in the basement at St. Benedict Parish. And we were coaching like 11 churches. Uh, that was five years ago. And and now we, we're coaching hundreds and hundreds of churches around the world. And uh, in, in, we're, we're coaching in 37 different countries, uh, seven different languages. Uh, you know, like the scale of this is insane. In, in addition to the coaching, you know, which is, is one of the things we're well known for. But in addition to the coaching, we've got regional guides, folks like Paul Lang. Hi, Paul. Uh, <laughs> who are who are coming alongside parishes in new ways. Uh, and, you know, the pandemic really helped us with this. It helped us see that, you know, while our coaching was being so fruitful and by fruitful, I mean, the priests and their teams and their parishes were benefiting uh, dramatically from it, not just personally. Uh, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the guys and uh, priests that we journey with, like, really appreciate the coaching and the support we offer. But their parishes began to get transformed. Because, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, our goal here is can we get these parishes, uh, can we get them to be missional? Can we get them to be outward focused? Can we help these pastors, these parish priests? Can we help them lead in ways that enable the entire parish to begin to reach people uh, who aren't already in their pews or evangelize some of the ones who are. Yeah, that's, thank you so much for that. That's exactly when you're talking about these numbers and scale. Um, and then when you start thinking about like 
an individual parish, I just start thinking about the stories that I get to hear coming from these priests of, let me tell you about this man today who came in who was hopeless and found hope. Let me tell you about this woman who found our church because, you know, maybe they did some kind of event or she started coming to Alpha. And it's it's these stories that brings it back down to that level of individual people's lives are changed when they meet with Jesus. And this Mm -hmm. is able to be, um, this happens because we renew our parishes so people are drawn in, including those that are already there as well. Paul, I want to also hear a bit of an update from you because from my understanding, the last time we were doing a podcast, you were on the other side of the table or the booth or in the corner with the audio equipment with in your other corner. skill set. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't Can let me sit at the big that? kids table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been real. This is a, uh, this is a little weird. It's weird to be on the, uh, on the microphone end of things, but yeah, my, my role before is divine innovation. I've been around. Um, I was one of those three Dan was talking about in the basement to St. Benedict parish. Um, been around with DR for, for quite a while now. And uh, I was part of the video production team. It's kind of how I first kind of weaseled my way into working with divine innovation back when it was, um, a company known as the John Paul II Media Institute. It was all about um, making good Catholic video content and things like that. So I went to audio engineering school and sort of worked my way in that way. Um, but just recently, as of last February, so the better part of a year now, I've been working as the, uh, the global regional guide with Divine Innovation. And so that's um, my role now is helping to support uh, priests and parish leaders um, all over the world. We've always had um, regional directors in sort of our four major regions that we were working with in Canada, the the US, Australia, and the UK. But we've had so many priests like Dan was saying come to us, especially uh, given the pandemic and sort of the uh the online nature of how things sort of went. There were so many priests who interacted with us who were not from those four regions. And we realized those priests were going um pretty wholly unsupported for a while. And so I stepped into this role as the global regional guide to help support those priests that don't fall into those four major regions. So um it's been a really cool experience to start to get to know a lot of these guys, everyone from the Netherlands to um Slovenia. That was a country that I wasn't anticipating getting to meet so many priests from Slovenia. That's been very cool. But I met with a priest from Taipei recently, some priests from India and the philippines like it's been literally all over the world and it's been a really really cool blessing to be able to meet all of these guys and hear their stories of what they're seeing in their parishes the renewal that they're seeing and also to hear that um some of the struggles they're having like they're there's so much commonality all over the world. It's not just something that is localized to, you know, my small little sphere of Atlantic Canada. I mean, there are things that are going on in South Africa that we're experiencing here in a very similar way. There's things in the Philippines, things in India. And it's, it's, it's very cool to hear. And it's sort of, it, it helps me just kind of understand the global nature of the church and to see that we're all kind of working through the same stuff and we can work together and learn so much together. So yeah, it's been a really cool transition. So Paul, I think this is, I think what you're naming is so, so important because it speaks to, to the question you asked, Jacqueline, like what, what's happened in those last few years with this divine renovation ministry. And if you go back to like, you know, Father James, when he wrote the first, his first book, Divine Renovation, um, you know, the, the, the book for which this ministry is named, you know, we, we told our story and like, these are the things that we think we got right. Like, you know, this is the things that use the underlying principles. And we've continued to, to, to point to those principles. I think the principles are right. What we learned in, you know, the three keys at which are, you know, represent the divine renovation logo now. And it, it go at great length on any of these things the principles are right but what 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 we've really begun to experience and this is the great blessing of of being able to serve in this ministry is is 
we're able to take things from from one context and from one parish and share what's working with others. I mean, that's what, mm-hmm. you know, we're here to inspire, connect, and equip parishes. So inspire them by telling the stories, connect them by beginning to share learnings uh, with each other, right? Like you know, when I was in uh, the UK not too long ago doing a Divine Renovation Connect event, we call those um, those are parishes that we're supporting and coaching. And part of the goal of those is like, guys, what's working at your parish? Share it out loud. So those guys in the other, you know, t- two rows over, they can start doing some of that stuff too. Like what's working? What do we see? What are the ways that we're seeing parishes come alive so that we can take the best of what God is doing through our parishes and begin to propagate it, not just in a given region, but across regions. And this is what I love about the global ministry, like with, you know, 50 mm-hmm. some odd countries that we're, we're, you know, we're connecting to parishes in. It's like, no, you wouldn't believe the, the, the amount of stuff that's transferable. Like it, it, this, this, crosses languages this crosses cultures this crosses financial um financial scales uh and and the principles underneath what we do along with some of the practices absolutely transfer around uh, around the world and i think a lot of the priests that we connect with a lot of the bishops that we connect with have benefited so much from being able to get that more that 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 more holistic perspective and really we just host the space Like, like, hear me when I say that, like, we're, we're holding the space for these amazing leaders, whether they're clergy or, or whether they're lay leaders, we, we host the space for them to begin to one, learn from one another. And so while there's some core principles we continue to, to invite parishes to embrace, the reality is the ways those things get lived out, uh, they're based upon the learnings that, that we've had as a ministry, but also that we've seen these priests and bishops and lay leaders have as they begin to evolve what it is to be missional parish, missional parish in 2022. I feel like, Paul, you're probably going to be able to speak to this um, as well. I Yesterday, I was just speaking with a priest in New Zealand, and he was saying that his bishop is the one who brought him um, in contact with DR. And at first, this priest was really worried because he just saw it as a very North American thing. And he thought, oh, it's going to be really prescriptive, and that's not how we work, and we have a different culture in New Zealand. And he just told me all the ways he was really hesitant. And then he learned, oh, these are principles. And he goes, so quickly, I realized that it fit who we already were, I didn't have to change who we were in order to like get on a program and do it. It was like, I'm just like you're saying, uh, Dan, he got to join in with this community, be connected, be supported and following these principles, follow renewal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the parishes I'm coaching right now, uh, yeah, I got into a good back and forth with the, uh, the, the pastor and it was all around the structure of his leadership team. Cause he's doing it differently than we coach. Right. And, um, you know, so back and forth, back and forth between he and I, and, and you know, what, what I'd say is really healthy conflict. In other words, let's, 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 let's unpack this together because you're not doing it the way we would normally say. And, um, and I gotta say, you know, I left the conversation going, you know what, he's doing it the way that he's called to like, you know, what he's chosen to do is, 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 is the right thing for his context, his parish, because yeah. the principles are being lived out. So they're not lived out yeah. in the way that we would normally coach a parish, but, um, that, you know, we can't get caught up in our practices. We have to we have to remember well what what what's underneath the practices that 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 allows us to be successful and fruitful. And you know, if, when we get down to that level, then these things can be expressed in different ways. And then it's just a matter of okay, well, there's a variety of expressions that adapt yeah. to the various cultures and 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 the realities of a given community, and not just a, you know a broad scale culture, but a given community. Like think of your parish boundary, like the five minutes that that you know that surround your your church building. I mean, like we, we all have individual small scale cultures, micro cultures if you will and so these things have to be lived out well in those spaces the more prescriptive we are the more more we might hamper uh what god's trying to do in those small micro cultures yeah yeah totally yeah just like there are so many different things you start to hear from priests who are just you know courageous enough to just try something you know and it, and it, it might not make sense in their culture but you know trying something that makes sense in canada in the netherlands 
pays off, you know, because it's something that's a little bit different. And then trying something in Canada that someone does in Ireland, that might be a little bit different too. And and again, that kind mm -hmm. of collaboration, that learning leads to some really, really yeah. cool things. Yeah. Paul, I also want to mention, if we're going to talk about changing roles, <laughs> this is personal, but you've just become a dad. I so have. <laughs> there's also that you've had that changing role. Um, and I'm sure there's many people telling you prescriptive things. And you're like, no, I'm just sticking to the principles of fatherhood. I'm not following your program. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I have to figure out my own giftings. We have to figure out his giftings and how we can play off each other well. But yes, no, we just had a baby. Uh, he's five weeks weeks old today actually his name is Isidore oh. Joseph and uh he's the cutest little guy Aww. even when he's just totally blowing out his diapers and crying at <laughs> us and all those different things that come with parenting he's he's adorable he's been like such a gift to to my wife and I and uh mm. it's it's hard to imagine life without him now so just coming off of a little bit of parental leave here spending a lot of time with him so um yeah. it'll be fun to get back back to work in the ministry but it'll also be kind of hard to not be around him so so much so if you're a priest listening to this that maybe we chat fairly frequently there might be a baby on the call every now and then so you never know <laughs> um i feel like that is such a perfect uh a perfect moment to discuss when we're doing this theme of this podcast episode is hope because there's something like our youngest dr member is five weeks old you know what i mean <laughs> um the newness of that uh for you dan where are you seeing hope like in the church right now what is the thing that brings you the most hope hmm Oh gosh, that's the, I'm overwhelmed by hope. Um, I, I mean that. So like, you know, it's, it sounds trite because <sighs> there's moments like you can imagine, um, you know, this ministry that, that, you know, I'm blessed to serve and it can, it can get pretty busy. I mean, you know, we're, we, we span all these different time zones and, and the team's pretty big now. And, um, and then the number of relationships that we have to, 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 to steward well, um, it, it can be pretty monumental. And so there's moments where I'm like, oh, I'm feeling really overwhelmed, Jacqueline. I mean, like, wait, am I, am I off theme? Because like the reality is, you know, it ain't always easy, right? Yeah. Um, but that's why, you know, and, and one of my prayers uh, often, both for me and for others that are connected to divine renovation is, you know, give us the eyes to see God. Give us the eyes to see what you're doing. Because when, when you get, when, you, when you're able to pull your head up, even just like a, a fraction of an inch, uh, you go, holy smokes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like if I would do all that I do and I would give all the hours that I, I give, if I could just impact one parish, the way I hear like mm -hmm. this story come at me, just if, if it was just one parish, it's all worth it. And when you start to think, well, no, no, there's hundreds. No, no, no. There's thousands. Well, then you just get overwhelmed by the grace of God. It's like, wow, God, you are blessing your church abundantly in this season. And, and what a privilege it is to be able to cooperate with it. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think that one of the things that I am most amazed at when I speak to uh, priests across the world is this common theme, not only of hope, but in the way that, that God is speaking to his church, period, not to his church in one mm. country, not to his church in one city, not one parish, but so that so often it's that commonality that we've all been speaking to. Of we hear in them the same desires. We hear in uh, these places that it's like, oh, I've heard this twice now. Two different priests have told me, I think I'm Father James's twin because they were feeling those same stirrings and callings. And then they're like, you know, that me too. It's resonating everywhere. And so it's like, it's that, um, that immensity of God's love where he calls us individually and he calls us collectively. And so when that happens at the same time, it's like, 
oh, if you, it's not even just look up and see what's happening, but look to your side, look to your other side. Like we stand as a family together as we move forward globally as the church. Um, and <laughs> Mr. Global, because Paul, I often just refer to your role as, well, Paul is the world. <laughs> There's our regions. And then Paul, Paul does the whole world. That's, that's his region. Um, so you are constantly working with priests who speak different languages from you, who are coming mm -hmm. from different cultures from you. And yet, are you, what are you seeing in terms of the way that we are still unified in, in this move from mission or this move from maintenance to mission? Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of like it's similar to what I already said, it's just that there is, um, there's this sense of, um, we can do this that I start to hear. And I mean, and, and I don't like it, like, obviously I don't, I don't speak all these languages. Last I checked, I barely speak English and it's been <laughs> cool to get to know some of the people, um, just around the world that do speak other languages and speak English as well to sort of like hear through them, the things that are happening in all these other, all these other countries, these different parishes. But um, yeah, there's a sense that um, these priests are feeling that hope of like, it's not, um, it's not impossible to do. And the, mm -hmm. the concepts that they hear um, around, whether that be leadership teams or casting a vision or things like that, like when they go through some of our coaching and they start to hear what that actually really entails, they listen to and go, Oh, okay. That's not that bad. You know, that, that was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. That felt like such a big thing. Or there's this hope that as these priests start to form uh, teams, and I hear this across the board, as they start to form teams, they realize that they can, they can lead their parishes better because they have people around them now. And that gives them hope as well. They have a, they have a hope for the future of their parishes that they haven't had in a long time. I'm hearing from a lot of priests that, um, there's just something new on the, on the horizon. Um, especially in some of these countries too, that are very, um, very kind of culturally Catholic and things have been on a, on a decline for a while. And they look ahead and they go, you know what? Like it's been bad for a bit, but I see, I see some light at the end of this tunnel. You know, I see, I see the hope of like where this is going to go. I can see, I can feel it in myself that I know I want to take it somewhere and I know it's going to be slow. You know, and I think that's the other thing, too, is there's a lot of priests that they know that this isn't something that's going to happen overnight and it's going to take years sometimes, but that doesn't stop them from being hopeful. You know, like they still have this sense of, you know, it, it's going to take me four years and they're going to get down the line um, four years from now and we're going to start to see some changes, but it's not going to be the, sort of the, the end yet. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's just kind of just what I'm hearing. And it, it's across the board. It's not just in certain countries. This is happening everywhere. Um, yeah. Cool. That's such a great segue because today our guest um, is going to be a priest from your the world region. <laughs> Father Rito is a parish priest in Sorrento, Italy, and we're going to be talking with him today about hope. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Dan, for joining me. Divine Renovation exists to inspire, connect, and equip priests and their parishes to go from maintenance to mission. For every Catholic parish to be a place where people can come and have their lives transformed by entering into relationship with Jesus. For more information about how your parish can move from maintenance to mission, go to divinerenovation.org. Welcome, Father Rito, all the way from Italy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome, welcome. I'm very happy to be with you. 
Okay, and you are in Sorrento, Italy. Is that right? Yeah, I'm in a little parish in the south of Italy. Um, Sorrento is a beautiful coast. There are, I think, uh, five cities, little cities, one, one close to the other. Um, and uh, my city, Piano di Sorrento, is about uh, 12,000 people. Uh, we are three parishes. Can pastor in one of these three uh, about uh, 4,000 people. Because in Italy, we until now count all the citizens. But my congregation, the people who come in the weekend, is about 500 people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's fascinating. And I'm curious about how you got connected to DR, because from what I understand, you've been connected to Divine Renovation for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Um, because b before becoming par parish priest, pastor uh, in this parish, uh, I work in seminary. Uh, so I, I was very fascinated for new, for knowing what is happening in the world, because I felt that was my job to understand, to learn what is happening in pastoral renewing, to teach my seminarians. So uh, in uh, 2018, I went to London to the, my first Alpha Leadership Conference. And in that situation, I listened for the first time Father James, Father James Mallon, about divine renovation. And I was fascinated because I already knew Alpha, but like a tool, just a tool for evangelization. And I was fascinated how uh, Father James uh, explained to who's Alpha also to change the culture in our parishes. Because I, I agreed with him uh, that uh, we have not only to, uh, to use new tools, but also to change our culture for train the people to welcome the others, to train the people to care about uh, the non-church goers. Uh, so I was fascinated by Father James. And after four, five, four months, I, I went to Birmingham, the first Divine Renovation Conference in, in Birmingham. Uh, and I was the only Italian priest. All the people were amazed that, what, what do you do here? Uh, from Italy, uh, but I'm very curious. So, and then I started to to work with divine innovation. I uh, I was in train to um, to start uh, the coaching just before pandemic, but uh, COVID nineteen stopped everything. But during lockdown, I did one. I think of the first kickstart court. Uh, and then I compelled to have a, a court in uh, Italian, and now I'm leading uh, the, my third kickstart with the Italian priest. And is it are the priests from all over Italy, or are they nearby to Sorrento? No, all of Italy, and in this moment have also a Romanian priest who works in London. Very interesting because I, this is a, a circle of providence because he's a Romanian priest who worked in, in a Romanian mission in Milan, in Italy. And just a few months ago, he went to London. So he speaks Italian more uh, and better than, uh, than English. So now I'm coaching him in Italian to serve and to learn the uh, divine renovation principle to uh, use them 
uh, in London for a Romanian mission in London. That is so beautiful. I am curious about when you're talking about culture right away and, and wanting that change of that radical hospitality. I'm curious about what the culture was beforehand for you in your parish, uh, no. especially because I don't come from your context. And so every Italian I have met is so wonderfully friendly that I just assume your parishes were these beautiful places where I'd be handed an ice cream or something, gelato. <laughs> yeah, pro probably this. Yeah, as Italian, we have this uh, hospitality culture, but uh, uh, I think quite like every Catholic parishes, uh, we are closed. Usually, many many parishes in Italy are are closed. Uh, there are little circles uh, where the people try to to find uh, comfort, uh, to find uh, uh, what they need. Uh, so we are in the south of Italy, in the country, uh, not in a big city. So. I can say you that my parish uh, worked. Uh, many things worked, uh, but uh, man, many people came to the church. But for traditional, for um, for liturgy, for prayer without hurt, uh, they didn't know the Holy Spirit. We prefer so much uh, the Holy Lady. This is not a problem, but sometimes we we forgot the power of the spirit, um, and um, I can see you that probably my parish could work uh, in this way for next ten years, probably in the south of Italy. I can I could say this before pandemic. The pandemic uh, make all the change more quickly. Uh, yeah, but uh, for the beginning, I understood that I, we, I and we had to learn from, uh, from the other countries where secularism um, is faster. So if I can learn from the others, I can cope the same challenge in a proactive way. This is the reason I... Uh, I went to London, I went to Birmingham, uh, I was in touch with Divine Innovation because I like to, uh, to be proactive, not just to uh, face emergency. Uh, so I can say my parish worked before uh, I met Divine Innovation, but uh, with Divine Innovation and Alpha, so, uh, Alpha 2, I, uh, I make... Uh, the shifting from maintenance to mission uh, more easy, easier, and uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, uh, in a better way, and the, to to cope next challenges. Yes, and I hear from you with you mentioning Alpha that the primacy of evangelization was clearly a big part of that. Can you speak to, like, how yeah. that has brought about change in the culture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I started to use Alpha ex especially to change the culture of my parish. I, I think in this moment quite all leaders uh, did Alpha. I asked them. Some of them uh, welcomed this idea immediately. I started my first uh, Alpha in uh, directory. 
I lead it uh, a little group with some key leaders of my parish, and then uh, all the others. Um, and this was a way to, to change uh, uh, the mentality, the culture, because uh, um, as I, I told you, we are in a little town with three parishes. Every parish go by her way. <laughs> this is a problem in the Catholic Church. And also there are big boundaries between parish and parish. Also the people usually think they betray uh, they pass so if they uh, go in another church. Uh, and also, the last problem is there is no culture about imitation. Uh, the people come to the church because uh, their parents came to the church, the grandparents, uh, but we didn't have the imitation culture. When we start with Alpha and Divine Renovation, I introduce uh, the uh, the Sunday of uh, invitation, the Sunday with card, with names, uh, to invite the people. Before invite the people, uh, I ask the people to pray for this invitation, uh, and then to invite no churchgoers or people the church, because there are also many people who are wounded by the church, probably for some problems. Not so big issue, not, not so big problems. But uh, sometimes, probably, they felt uh, not understood, so they went away. And uh, many times, the, the people, the Italian people, think that this is a job of the pastor to invite the others. Instead, I use the Alpha to, to teach all my parishioners. They have to invite. Uh, then the answer is a personal answer. Everyone have to answer this invitation, but each Christian, each parishioner have to invite someone else. Yeah, that's lovely. I um, Is that unique in some ways to, to your culture of like Italy in terms of the sense of people we're not thinking at all inviting because culturally it's been very Catholic for a long time. So I, I feel like that situation did it feel very hard for people to start inviting? Was it resistant? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. The one of the different I saw between uh, um, English speaker country uh, and the, the other country in the world uh, is uh, that we are all Catholics, all Roman Catholics from generation. Uh, so we are people uh, who come to the church and people who are the church for many reasons. So the people the church probably they are in anger, there are problems, there are a lot of bad ideas, prejudice about the church, and so they went away. Uh, the others they come to the church for family tradition uh, instead to feel the power of the spirit and feel that all Christians have to be disciple and also missionaries. Uh, I, I preached, I think, two years ago uh, about uh, Evangelii Gaudium and how, how the Pope has asked every Christian to be a uh, disciple, but also a missionary. Yes. Yeah. And what are, uh, has there been some movement in that? Like, have you started to see people in your parish feeling 
empowered to take on that role? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the most interesting thing was the 1st of November. We did uh, uh, the solemnity of All Saints and we had this Sunday of invitation. This was the, uh, uh, the way we celebrate all the church. All are invited and all the people have to invite someone else. We start, we take together um, the message of the Catholic Church because you know that uh, the month of October is the month for sustain the mission, to pray for the mission around the world, to have a collect, to take money to the mission. But I told to my parish that we don't have only to support the mission in, uh, in the poor country, but we are a country of mission, a re-evangelization. So we instead, meanwhile, we pray and we collect money for the poor countries. We have to uh, invite all the people who went away. So we celebrate. We had a, a big win because in Italy, the first days of November are the days of the death of the dead people because the people prefer to go to cemetery to pray for, uh, for their parents, for the people uh, died. Uh, instead, we, this was our win. We changed that day in the day of the church. We had a beautiful uh, party in the church. We had two masses in the morning, 8.30 and uh, 10.30. Uh, and uh, we invite the people at uh, uh, 8.30 to, to have a breakfast in the church and also to wait the others that are coming for the other mass. So we did this beautiful breakfast in the church. This is so strange for Italian context, very strange. Uh, um, I don't know. I prepare different tables, but one, the biggest one was in front of the altar. Mm. And the, the people was at the beginning, uh, stranger, what are you doing? But I told them, uh, because I, uh, we left the, this table during the Mass, I told them that in the beginning, uh, the Christian had the Holy Supper, and they uh, shared together the meal, the dinner, and then the, the Gospel, and then the prayer. So we had to share uh, with, with food our experiences, our life, uh, and it was fantastic. It was uh, a day where, where the churchgoers felt they have to invite and the other uh, felt welcomed. And this was a fantastic win for us. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. I love, too, that it's... Um, I think sometimes when I think about evangelization, especially if I think about it like 10 years ago, uh, being asked to do it, it always felt so uncomfortable. Like it always felt like someone was asking me to go sell and I didn't like it and it felt awkward. And I think the picture you're giving us is that it's not selling. Who needs to sell God? It's inviting to a table that's laid for you. You know, like the banqueting table is laid for you. Um, that's so beautiful. We have to, to share a joy. The problem is this, I think. Uh, if we have to, if, if we think we have to sell, it's because we don't trust in what we are selling. 
I think this is one of the first principles of marketing, of selling. The, the, people, the seller have to trust in what he sells because he, he doesn't trust. Uh, probably he's, uh, he's a liar. Uh, instead, if you trust in what are you selling, probably you will sell it. Now we have the most the biggest treasure who can change not the uh, kitchen uh, or the way you clean your house with uh, something strange, but uh, we have something better, someone who can change your life, the life of the people. Uh, if you felt this in your life, I think evangelization is... Uh, also, not, not only a duty for Christian, but also a way to enforce your faith. Pope, Pope uh, Paul uh, uh, said, uh, uh, you make your faith growing by evangelization. Uh, and I agree. I, I felt, and my, my parish uh, felt what Pope Paul said. Yes. It's so interesting, too, when someone, both of my parents came to faith as adults. And when they tell me about that experience, which I can't relate to because I, I was always raised in it, but their experience was that they couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Like people got frustrated at them because they couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Because when that experience was new and fresh, it was so mind blowing to how they had lived before. My father tells, my father's a very quiet man, very gentle and quiet. And uh, he was actually in Spain. Uh, when when he became a Christian, and he said he just cried for two weeks because he was just so amazed that that much grace was there for him. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like when I feel awkward about sharing it, it's like people, <laughs> this is good news. It, it is yeah. the gospel, right? Yeah, yeah. I am wondering if there is stories from your parish where you specifically see hope today. I can tell you about the catechesis for First Communion. As Father James told, as Father James wrote in the Divine Revelation book, uh, Eucharisty and uh, catechesis for First Communion don't change the parish because every parish did, usually every parish uh, do the Eucharistic, Eucharisty and uh, formation for First Communion. But uh, after Alpha and after uh, Divine Revelation Principle, the leader of the, the people, the leader of a catechesis for First Communion uh, did Alpha and also was in my senior leadership team. Uh, she came to me and asked me to do something different in a different way. I didn't think about, instead, she started to, to think how to use Alpha and Divine Revelation value, not only for children, but uh, for their parents. So during yeah. pandemic, we didn't stop uh, uh, the catechesis. We did the mass, uh, and we use the mass to share, to teach. And in this moment, uh, we are doing uh, um, the catechesis for First Communion with parents in small groups 
we did something like Alpha. So I prepare a very little speech, uh, and uh, the leaders uh, lead uh, the small groups uh, where the parents uh, of children share their things. And it was a way, because in Italy, as I explained to you, uh, every family bring uh, their children to the church just for catechesis and just to receive the first communion. The Sunday after, they went away. Mm. Um, so we start a new way. We, we thought, no way. Uh, the, the hope is that uh, not high as the pastor, but the others, the, the leaders told me we have to do something in, in a different way because we have to um, present to the people Christ alive, not just an idea. And we have to, to make a safe place where the people can share their thoughts and they can feel, feel uh, welcomed. Uh, so we change everything uh, to this tourism, uh, as uh, tourism to meet. This is our vision. This is the vision we, uh, I, we, the pastoral council, the senior leadership team, uh, we make together. Uh, the vision of my parish is to uh, new to meet Jesus alive in the eggs of the brothers, and uh, the reason of my hope is that uh, every leaders in this moment in my parish knew this vision and they are trying to, uh, to use uh, creativity in their different uh, sectors to, to bring this vision to reality, to present the others, uh, Jesus alive, but in the acts of uh, the friends and the brothers. And uh, this is my, mm. uh, my reason of hope. This is also the reason yes. in this moment, I think, I would like to stay in this parish for all my life. But I think we started a process that uh, I hope it could be forward also without me. In this moment, uh, this is very important for a Catholic church in, in Italy, especially, because uh, so many times all depend by the pastor. Uh, the hope is now the lay people, they uh, feel responsible, they are growing in leadership, and they have a clear vision, uh, meet Jesus alive in the hugs of the brothers, and they are trying to make this reality. I love that. I love that. Um, and as a coach, are you also hearing any stories of hope coming out from the priests that you're coaching? Uh, just in yeah, terms yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is my third kickstart court uh, I'm leading uh, with priests all around Italy. Especially, I remember um, a group of four priests from Genova, so very far from me but uh, they were uh, inspired by divine revelation, also by Alpha. They didn't, uh, they didn't do Alpha before. Uh, they start after Kickstart. And until now, 
they are meeting together. They are in a big city, very different from my situation. A big city in the north of Italy, um, much secularism. Uh, they were without hope. Many times in our priesthood, when we meet as priests, we usually complain about the bishop, we usually uh, complain about the situation, we usually complain uh, about the people who uh, don't come to the church, but we have no uh, ideas, we have no hope to share. Instead, what I want to share with you is that uh, these four priests from Genova, they started to meet again, to work together, and, to, and they tried to uh, change the vicariat, this uh, sector of Genova, uh, with Alpha, with Divine Oration. Now, uh, one of them now is uh, uh, the Alsasan uh, delegate for catechesis, so also the bishop is involved and they are organizing a, a meeting with the Alpha National Director for all the dioceses. And uh, I'm very proud, probably this is a sin, but I'm very pride, proud uh, that we start together uh, a process that went very forward, my little person, my little job. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love it. I love it. And that whole, I think one of the things I love so much about in Advent is this thing where each week when we look at hope and love and joy and peace, we need it partly because uh, so often it, we're feeling the opposite, right? The reason we start Advent with hope is because we are hopeless. It's because we have despair. And so it's that place of darkness that we are so able to see light that is coming in. And I thought when you were talking about the event that you threw for All Souls and how it was such a big win that people would usually, you know, go to the cemetery to remember people there. And but they came to the church and it just reminded me of uh correct me if I'm wrong, is it the angel that says this to the women that come to the tomb that say, uh, why do you look among the dead for the living among the dead? And it's that whole thing of like we got to be, the living is Jesus. The living is, is Jesus. And that is where that's going to, that's our hope. Our hope is that of nothing less, but Jesus alive. Yeah. I, this is, I think I tried in my parish to change also some, uh, uh, some way of saying, I, I, uh, forbidden, for example, to say that Jesus is risen. I, I teach the people that to say Jesus is alive. Yeah. Because in, in Italian, in Italian, you can understand that uh, Jesus is risen two thousand years right, ago. Right. Right. Instead, he's alive now. Yes. In our parishes, in our life. Yes. Do you know what? I have a four. Uh, I almost said four-year-old. He just turned five. Uh, I have a five-year-old son, and I love uh, the way that his questions really provoke my faith because I'm always having to go over things. But he asks that. He'll say, Jesus is alive now, but but why are, like with Advent, he goes, but he's already born. Why are we waiting for him to be born again? And then with Easter, is he, he's not risen? He is risen? He's alive now? So there's so much with children that we go, oh, yes, it, it's now and forever that Jesus is with us. Um, yeah. So I am wondering personally, what is the thing that gives you most hope? right now for the church globally um, and just within your faith? Yeah. 
uh, I think uh, is what are doing at this moment, the networking. I think uh, we are uh, tasting what is the Catholic Church in this moment. You are in Canada, I am in Italy, uh, with the technical uh, issue, with uh, the intelligence of the people. Uh, God cre created us with the, with the mind to, to think new way of communication, to stay together, to communicate, to make community together. I, I think this is, from, from, my, from my point of view, uh, the, the most hopeful thing in this moment. Uh, try to, uh, to think the pandemic uh, just 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I think that the, the people 20, 20 years ago with pandemic, uh, most of them could be very isolated. Yes. Pandemic isolated yes. so much the people. There are so many uh, problems until now, many problems with children. They went, uh, they didn't go to the school. Uh, so many problems. But uh, with the, uh, the networking, with internet, we usually say in the church that uh, internet is a, a source of bad things. It is right. Pornography uh, and many other things. But we are living this place in a, in a new way. And we are using these um, electronic tools to stay together. And uh, what I think is a, a reason of hope, uh, you can find friends also for priests. I told you that many times in our uh, priesthood meeting, we usually complain uh, without hoping. Instead, in the Viron network, I find uh, priest friends, priests with the same passion. I find priests priest and the lay people uh, better than I. And they can teach me, they can inspire me, they can me give good advice I'm trying to do in my parish. And also, I can find uh, other priests that I just help them to, to do the first step. I think in this moment I'm learning many more things that than I can do to the others. But it's, this is the church. This is the Catholic Church. We are all together, and we can take together all our ideas and also our struggles, yes. our pain and our hope, and we can go forward in uh, in God's kingdom. Yeah. yeah, to make the kingdom come. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I think this is the Pentecost. Father uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin is a Jesuit, sorry uh, for this te theological idea, uh, wrote that we are going to a situation more complicated, but uh, more connection. Uh, this is the, the image of, of a body. The body is probably the most complicated thing uh, in, uh, in the world. But every cells of our bodies uh, are connected. And this is what Paul said, what Paul say, uh, wrote, and now we are speaking. Yes, yes. And, and even that whole thing of when we are isolated, you know, with this metaphor of the body, um, you know, if I am a pinky finger and I am isolated from my thumb, I'm very useless. But when I realize that I'm part of the hand, like so many things we can do, uh, yeah, I love that you use that example, too, of the way that technology 
or our innovativeness with technology is also allowing us to use that to do what we're called to do, to be together with the church so that you're in Italy and I'm in Canada and, and we can connect like this. I love it. Um, I have a personal question now. So what is your favorite moment of Christmas? This could also be of Advent, but your favorite moment of this season. Okay, uh, as you said, uh, I think many times we have problems thinking about uh, the birth of Jesus because he's alive, he's dead, uh, he, oh, what we are uh, waiting for. I prefer the first Sundays of Advent where the waiting is for the new season, for the new heavens, uh, for the light in our life. We, are, we wait for the advent of Christ in our life, in my life. But personally, personally, uh, I can share you that the most hopeful day in my ministry is the 28th of December, the Holy Innocence Day. Why? It's a so strange festival, so strange, not so common. Why? Because in that day, in cooperation with the uh, uh, Rachel Vineyard Ministry, it's a ministry for post-abortion women, for women whose story of abortion, uh, we have a celebration, a mass, for all the unborn child, for all the child who was aborted. Um, and uh, we bring together all the women and all the parents who aborted or simply they lost their child. And we celebrate that beautiful mass uh, in the night, in the darkness. We use little candles. That we uh, unlight these candles before uh, Eucharisty because we want to bring hope in that darkness. I think in, in my ministry, in my ministry, was uh, the most real experience to take, to bring uh, light in the darkness. Because I think uh, celebrate Christmas in a beautiful family with uh, the fireplace, uh, with a uh, big table, with presents, with so many things, it's, it's quite simple. The problem is that in that, in that days, many people struggle with the pain, with guilt, with sins, and we have to, to bring light there. And this is one of my best, best favorite day uh, during Christmas time, because it's a way to, uh, to bring Jesus where the people think there is no place, no room. Has in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem. There is no place in that moment. Instead, Jesus come the same. Also, where we don't prepare for him a place. And this is my best favorite day cool. in Christmas time. That's powerful, Father. I am wondering, can you pray for us to finish this off? Can you pray for us, the church um, mm -hmm. and, and parishes that are seeking renewal, that there would be hope, hope for them? Yeah. Okay. Almighty Father, we ask you, your spirit, a new refreshment of your spirit. 
we need it. Because without it, we can do nothing. We need your spirit to feel Jesus alive in our life. We need your spirit to feel the church alive, to bring life to the church. Especially ask others, your spirit to the pastors, to the bishop. They struggle with so many problems, structural problems, building problems, legal problems. And many times they are so busy to forget the gospel. The gospel is also for the priest and the bishop. I ask you that hi, all my brother in priesthood and all the bishops can feel that Jesus is alive also for them. Because if the priests are full of hope, of the power of your spirit, their parishes, their community can share the light and darkness. So I ask you, Father, give us your Holy Spirit. Take place in our hearts. Change our hearts and our life, our community, to make the light shine in the darkness. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, so much for praying for us and for the church and for joining us today to talk about hope. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Want to learn more about Parish Renewal? Join us Tuesday, December 6th for our next webinar in the From the Trenches series, where we'll be joined by Father James Mallon, now back in the parish and facing new but familiar challenges of mission and mergers. Join Father James at our final From the Trenches event for 2022. You can sign up online under Connect and Events on divinerenovation.org.